0: Greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. The Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially across space, across time, and across scales, from local to global scales. Today's episode, Columbus. Permanently Altering Global Relationships. Columbus, Permanently Altering Global Relationships. Your host, Joseph Kursky here with you. Glad you're with me today. So much is known about Christopher Columbus, 1450 or 1451 to 1506, that it may be difficult to separate his exploration, fame, from the impact his voyages had on geography. But the impacts, both positive and negative, were far-reaching and indeed continue to this very day. Columbus, from Genoa, Italy, under the auspices of the Catholic Monarchs of Spain, completed four four voyages across the Atlantic Ocean. Leif Erikson had visited North America nearly 500 years before, but left no permanent settlement. Columbus's voyages, by stark contrast, initiated Spanish colonization of large parts of both continents, followed closely by other European colonizing nations, including Portugal, the United Kingdom, and France. As the 15th century drew to a close, European powers sought to expand their influence as well as bring wealth to their nations by obtaining products such as spices that were far away. These leanings, coupled with a growing familiarity of sailing and trade winds, and improved maps ushered in the age of oceanic exploration. Washington Irving's 1828 biography of Columbus popularized the idea that Columbus had difficulty obtaining support because many theologians insisted that the earth was flat, but in fact most had understood that the earth was spherical at least since the time of Aristotle, and certainly by Ptolemy's time. What wasn't agreed upon was Earth's circumference. Eratosthenes' results were confirmed by comparing stellar observations at Alexandria and Rhodes by Posid- Posidonius in the 1st century BCE, but Ptolemy's models shrank the accepted size of the Earth and the width of the Atlantic Ocean. From the Imago Mundi, Columbus learned of Alfredo, Alfraganus's estimate that one degree of latitude, or a degree of longitude along the equator, spanned 56 and two-thirds miles, but did not realize that this was the Arabic mile rather than the shorter Roman mile, which was 1,480 meters. He therefore estimated the circumference of the Earth at 30,200 kilometers, smaller than the correct value of 40,000-ish kilometers. He also wrongly accepted accounts that the Eurasia landmast, land mass spanned 225 degrees, leaving only 135 degrees of water. He also believed that Japan was much larger, farther to the east from China and closer to the equator than it is, and that inhabited islands lay farther to the east than Japan. Thus, Columbus estimated the distance from the Canary Islands to Japan to be 3,000 Italian miles, or 3,700 kilometers. The true figure is 12,500 kilometers, four times more. Adding to the urgency of finding a sea route was that under the Mongol Empire's hegemony over Asia, Europeans had for centuries enjoyed a long but safe land passage to Asia. But with the fall of Constantinople to the Ottoman Turks in 1453, the land route to Asia became more dangerous. By 1488, Bartolomeu Díaz reached the Cape of Good Hope. Columbus proposed to reach one of the desired locations for spices, the East Indies, by sailing westward across the Ocean Sea, thereby, it was thought, to reduce the distance traveled and more efficiently reach these desired commodities. His tenacious efforts resulted in twice being rejected by King John II of Portugal, as well as by Genoa and Venice, and his brother Bartholomew's entreaties were rejected by Henry VII of England. Ironically, much of the, his rejection was due to the ruler's belief that he was grossly underestimating the distance. Don't you love that? Finally, after two years of lobbying, monarchs Ferdinand II of Aragon and Isabella I of Castile, who had united several kingdoms on the Iberian Peninsula by marrying, gave him funds, permission, food, lodging, and guarantees of being governor and receiving royalties from lands he might discover. Quote, discover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During his first voyage in 1492, instead of arriving in Southeast Asia as he had intended, Columbus reached the New World, first landing on an island in the Bahamas' archipelago that he named San Salvador. In further irony, Columbus may not have known that he had reached a continent previously unknown to Europeans. In fact, he named the inhabitants of the new lands Indios, Spanish for Indians. Writer Kirkpatrick Saleh, argued that a document in the Book of Privileges indicates that he knew he found a new continent and that his journals refer to the land of Paria, a hitherto unknown continent. Yet in other documents, he still refers to Asia. Amerigo Vespucci, who sailed to America in the years after Columbus's first voyage, was the first to speculate that these lands were not part of Asia, but rather constituted a previously unknown new continent. In further irony, Just as his reputation is strained today, that of Columbus was strained beginning in his own lifetime. In 1500, Columbus was arrested and dismissed as governor, and later became involved with a protracted legal dispute over the benefits that Columbus and his heirs claimed were owed to them by the Spanish crown. Like many other explorers, for example Marco Polo, Columbus started his explorations early. In one of his writings, he claims to have gone to sea at age 10. At 19 he was on a Genoese ship to support an attempt to conquer the Kingdom of Naples. By 27 he had sailed to England and Ireland before settling in Portugal and from there during the 1480s traded and sailed along the coast of Africa down to Guinea. Like other geographers, Columbus became fluent in several languages, including Latin, Portuguese, and Castilian. He was also well-read, the Bible, astronomy, geography, and history, including Claudius Ptolemy and Pierre de Ali Imagio Mundi, which included sixteen treatises on geography and astronomy. He read Marco Polo's travels, Pliny's Natural History, and Pope Pius II's Historia Rerum Ubique Gestarum, a compendium of geographical and scientific knowledge as of fourteen seventy seven. Though wrong about the distance, Columbus did possess valuable knowledge about the trade winds, which his fleets used during each crossing. In fact, during the first voyage in 1492 using these winds, his three ships landed in the Bahamas in five weeks. The Santa Maria was a merchant ship of 400 to 600 tons, 23 meters long, with three masts and three sails, and two smaller caravels, the Pinta and the Santa Clara, nicknamed the Niña or Girl. After encountering the Taino, or Arawak, people in the Bahamas, they visited Cuba and Hispaniola. Upon the return, he followed the curving trade winds north in order to catch the westerlies back to Spain. He made observations of seas, winds, flora, fauna, and native customs. He noted the difference between true and magnetic north, and accurately predicted a lunar eclipse. Luck was a factor, too. They avoided tropical storms, though part of their travels spanned the hurricane season. Soon, he was back sailing, leaving Cadiz in 1493 with 17 ships, 1,200 men, and supplies to establish a permanent American colony. With a more southerly route, they landed at Dominica, Guadalupe, and other Caribbean islands to Puerto Rico, and back to the original Hispaniola landing, where many whom he had left there had died. In 1498, a third voyage with six ships left to discover a passage to Asia, touching the mainland of South America at Venezuela. Once back at Hispaniola, his arrest and humiliation commenced. He was accused of tyranny and incompetence. Allowed to return for a fourth voyage not as governor but as explorer in 1502 with four ships, he stopped at Martinique, Hispaniola, Jamaica, and Honduras, including two hurricanes, then to Panama, the Cayman Islands, and Jamaica where he was stranded for a year. He died at the relatively young age of 54 or 55 from from a variety of illnesses. Columbus forever altered cultural geography. The relationship between Europe and the Americas, and trade routes, both of which had impact far beyond these continents to a global scale, affecting everything from the development of languages, customs, religion, clothing, and more. In terms of food alone, the New World foods and flowers brought back to Europe included, included corn, maize, the tomato, potato, chili pepper, vanilla, tobacco, beans, pumpkin, cashew, avocado, peanut, cacao, squash, dahlia, marigold, and black-eyed susan. Columbus influenced hundreds of names still in use today, including those he named and those named after him. He also was the reason for the enormous World Columbian Exposition in Chicago, commencing in 1893, to commemorate the 400th anniversary of that first landing, attended by 27 million people over six months, which influenced architecture and urban geography. Columbus's voyages made extensive use of navigational aids and mapped much of the coast of the Caribbean Sea. Columbus experienced an adventure-filled but difficult life of rejection, triumphs, battles, illness, and shipwrecks. But especially during the past half century, historians have made the case that much of Columbus's impact was negative. First, America, of course, was not discovered by Columbus, but rather by its indigenous population, of whom there were a great number and diversity. For many of them, the, the arrival of Columbus spelled doom. Columbus and his men, for example, initiated the genocide of nearly the entire native Taino population of Hispaniola, estimated at 250,000 people. He was also responsible for the initiation of the transatlantic slave trade and implemented the feudal-like encomienda system, forcing natives to collect gold even when none was to be found. If these hardships did not kill the native people, the diseases that followed, for which they had no immunity, killed the remainder. Thus, Columbus altered global relationships, of knowledge of the world, of trade, of relationships with Native people, and much more. The world's cultural geography, and indeed physical geography, would never be the same again. And that, folks, is hopefully some food for thought and discussion about Columbus permanently altering global relationships, and the geographic ties that he had to plants, animals, Native Americans, and many more. Thanks for being with me on this episode of the Thinking Spatially podcast. Joseph Kurski your host, hoping that this sparked some thought and some discussion with you and your students and colleagues. Thanks.